Hi, and welcome back to the Dying to Ask podcast. Today, we're going to try to answer the question, what is wrong with people? I know, pretty broad, but as the world has reopened this fall, whether it was going out to massive fun runs, going back into an office, kids going back to school, you going to parties, going to events, traveling, you name it. One thing has stayed consistent no matter the big group gathering, and that is that it's just weird. There's a lot of weirdness, and you can see it. You can always spot the people in the crowd who haven't been to a thing in a while, like they haven't been to the big group gathering. There's just this awkwardness, and everybody has got it, and it's totally normal, whatever normal is anymore, but there's that thing. It just takes a while for people to kind of find their groove and for Stella to get her groove back and to, um, you know, kind of get back into the activity again. Some of that is we've forgotten how to act. Some of it is that we were never really good in those situations, maybe to begin with. And then maybe some of it is also that people just have different levels of comfort. And maybe some of them have changed a little bit during the pandemic. Um, and they just kind of need some guidance on, on how to handle things. So today, Diane Gotsman of the Protocol School of Texas is back on the show. She's one of my favorite guests. Diane is a modern etiquette expert. Now, she's not the person who's going to teach your kids how to eat at a table nicely. That's not really her, her shtick. Big companies hire Diane to come in and help people interact in a more productive way positive, professional manner. So she helps smooth the rough edges for people in the workplace. Now, of course, the workplace has been primarily on Zoom for a lot of people for the last couple of years, and her business boomed during that time because taking people away from each other turned out to be as problematic as sometimes bringing them together. So she has a really interesting take about how the pandemic has changed how we interact with people and what we can do as we do find ourselves in those situations more. So for a lot of us, that could be going back to a holiday party. It could be going to a school fundraiser. It could be working in a big office. Maybe it's business travel. Maybe it's just being around your family again. So she has some really good ideas and ways to smooth that transition. So on this Dying to Ask, we'll be talking about um, some of the things that she's noticing as she advises some of these companies and their employees on how to do things. And then we also just kind of get into the personal stuff too. So background on how I met Diane. I was flying home to Texas two, two, two years ago, maybe three years ago. I don't even remember now. And I was reading the American Way magazine, which is the um, magazine for American Airlines. And there was a story in there about etiquette. And I see this woman uh, quote, and she just was so funny. I just loved everything that I was hearing from her. So on the plane, I emailed her, introduced myself. And within 10 minutes, she wrote me back and said she would, she would be on the show. And that's how we met. <laughs> We've been doing TV segments and podcasts ever since. And she truly has become one of my favorite people to interview because nothing is off limits. And she always has an answer to how to handle a situation. So on this Dying to Ask, we're going to talk about how to deal with people these days, whether it's those toxic positive people or those just plain toxic people. Diane has ways to maybe handle how you handle yourself around them. She's going to explain to you why she has a big belief in a word of the year plus a word of her lifetime. And it's a word that you come up with that helps you always center yourself in your interactions with other people. And you're going to find out why Tigger does not like Diane. You would think everybody loves this woman. Nope, not Tigger. She'll tell that story too. It just made me love her that much more. Diane Gotsman is my guest on this week's Dying to Ask. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. 
Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track, living our best Instagrammable lives. Best lives-ish. The reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk Podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. Diane, it is great to see you again. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you. You are probably one of the my my favorite people that I met during the pandemic, just virtually. <laughs> And it's been so much fun to be able to connect with you and do segments with you on KCRA and My58 over the last year. It's been such a wild year. And now here we are at another holidays. It's so exciting. It, it feels invigorating and energizing, doesn't it? It does, but it also feels a little awkward, which is why I thought I would reach out to you because so many... <laughs> So many things have started resuming. And every time I go to something that I haven't been to in a while, like whether it's, um, I went to an expo last week and just watching people interact, there was kind of a, you know, there's like a hitch in the giddy up. I went to we a big uh, Thanksgiving fun run and even people being in a big group, you know, of thousands of people for the first time, you could see how not off-putting, but just a little off people were at just the experience again. Are you seeing that as well? I am, you know, every place we go, there are people who have different comfort levels. And I really think that it's important to keep that in mind when we're interacting just across the board. You know, before the pandemic, we had to be careful with other people's body language and be aware. Well, we're doing the same thing now. Uh, we're just hyper aware because now we are we have to think about our greetings and we have to think about hugs and kisses, even with family members. And, you know, the holidays are, are here and we're going to experience that very, very soon for many of us who haven't seen family members for a while. Remind people of your background and how you got into being a, an expert in modern etiquette. So I teach corporate etiquette, which also overlaps into social etiquette because, you know, corporate and social overlap. The, the same people that work in an office dine, they, they um, socialize, they date some of them, some of them have a relationship, you know, every, life is etiquette, basically. And I have a master's in sociology with an emphasis on adult behavior. And years ago, I, I wanted to be a counselor and I found my way uh, with a very poignant story, I was a fundraiser for a nonprofit working with abused and abandoned children. And this little girl said to me one day, she was 11 years old, and she, well, she would say to me often, many days, I want to be rich just like you when I grow up. I want to be rich just like you when I grow up. And one day I asked her, I said, why do you think I am rich? Because I was far from rich. And she said, because you wear shiny shoes. Mm. And that touched me. And what that meant to me, how I processed that was that this little girl saw rich in terms of shoes, which cost money to buy. And all she needed was some training and social skills to be um, a success, uh, confident in life. And, and that's how I found my way. And as you know, one step leads to another step. And, and here we are. With all that background in modern etiquette, has anything changed things or challenged etiquette more than the last two years? Oh my gosh. You know, what is so interesting is there would have been a time three years ago when I would have said, always extend your hand 
first for a greeting because that shows confidence. <laughs> it's like an act of aggression now. <laughs> it, it, now that is the last. Can you believe thing that I'm he shook my hand? <laughs> they reached out and wanted to touch me. So a hug I is more fair. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what is so important is we. It's still about putting other people at ease. That's basically what etiquette is, what social skills are. You know, I don't teach cotillion. I don't teach kids manners. I teach adults like you and I, the, you know, we are all out in, in the world. I teach people how to be more comfortable and how to make other people comfortable <laughs> to be around them. So what I'm saying now, post pandemic, you know, we still have residue. We still, there's, it's still to some degree, you know, in, it's still going on. I say, just watch the body language of the other person and listen to your gut. If you feel like I don't know that this person wants to get, I wants a big hug. And that means grandma, that means Aunt <laughs> Jane in a couple of weeks when you see him, I think you have to be really careful and just be communicative. Just, just don't worry about hurting feelings. And what I mean by that is ask questions when in doubt, ask, is everybody here happy with a hug? Can I take pictures and post them on social media? Now that's not about hugs. I'm talking about mm -hmm. social media. I'm jumping. But, you know, instead of just assuming, just ask. Because when you ask, it shows that you care. Much like when you forget someone's name. So if I forget someone's name and what we do when we forget names is we say, hey, hey, you. You. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> and we have this lilt in our voice. Oh, and then we have to introduce that person. And we say, oh, you introduce you to you. And there's no <laughs> names involved. So just say, I'm sorry, I am going blank. Please remind me of your name. And they're going to say, of course, my name is, my name is David. And they are going to say, thank goodness, in their brain, please remind me of your name because they probably don't rem remember you either. But even if right. they do, just ask, you, you know, you, you have a thoughtful look on your face. You are genuine. I think everything boils down to this. It's about being genuine. It's about being authentic because etiquette is not about being stuffy and knowing what fork to use. It really is. That's part of it because it's, it's just a comfort level. But when someone talks to you with their nose up in the air and they have a certain lilt in their voice, that's, that's rude. That's insincere. And it's a sign of their lack of insecurity, not yours. So for all of us, the, during the holidays, post holidays, you know, from this point on, I think it's most important to, to be an authentic version of yourself, which is genuine, which is truthful, which is honest. And sometimes honesty means, gosh, I just, I just don't remember. I don't remember your name or, oh gosh, um, before you order that, you want us to share a meal, I'd prefer to have my own. Um, oftentimes, you'll go to a restaurant with someone and they want to share something. Oh, you've got to try this. Let's just get one of these. Well, you can certainly say, you know, you go right ahead. I think I, I'd prefer to have my own, mainly because number one, you don't want to share. We shouldn't be sharing right now anyway. <laughs> um, but number two, you don't like it. You don't like that poached duck or whatever they're they're having um you know there's so many questions that as i'm talking to you there are so many things flowing through my mind because you know i go from social media we're talking about social media and that's a whole wonderful ball of wax that could just be a disaster to dining and uh, we just we need a couple of years <laughs> to talk about it all <laughs> but, you know, oh I, I know we could so what are you you primarily work with these big companies 
And all the, it seems like a lot of workplaces are struggling as people have come back into offices and as things have kind of resumed, there is an, inter, an interaction that happened on Zoom that doesn't really translate to interacting in person. And the reaction, the real, result is that there's a loss of productivity. There are people unhappy. Like you hear about this in a lot of places. What are companies telling you they're struggling with right now? So, you know, what is so interesting is people, uh, executives, HR people, development people that hired me used to hire me for professional development training. Now they hire me for the exact same thing, but the words they're using are different. They're, they're the same, but they have an additional uh, vocabulary. And that's, that is non-judgmental, respectful, compassionate, um, I, especially compassionate. That's a word that I hear over and over again. And, and what that means is we're, many people are coming back to the office and they don't know, you know, it's a new game plan now, you know, the, the, even to where now they're not in offices anymore. They might be at just one large table or some people may not have come back and they don't know how to navigate, you know, with these holes in their offices. So I think it's important, you know, we were on Zoom for so long and Zoom had its own personality and dynamic. And, you know, I, I feel like it was very successful and it still will be, but much like when you don't turn your camera on during Zoom, that's, even though that's actually fine for some companies, but if they can't see you, they can't really read you. And so when you're back into the office, we're reading each other with different, different comfort levels. And so I think that it's really important just to kind of settle in, um, talk about it. So what are we, what are we comfortable with? You know, do we want paper cups versus glass cups right now? Okay, guys, let's make sure that we get all of our food out of the refrigerator every Friday. Um, it's, it's just about how we navigate and how we communicate. And, and it just boils down to, to being respectful of each other. Isn't some of it that in Zoom land, you kind of get to control all the stuff that you didn't like doing. Like if you didn't like the small talk at the office cooler, you just like to get your work done and get out. You didn't have to worry about it, right? Like you got rid of a lot of the stuff that was like that nitpicky stuff that for some people is the worst part of work. Not unlike what it was for kids at school who maybe didn't have to see the kid that they didn't like, who made them feel bad. Um, and getting back in now, all of a sudden, there are just those little things that you don't like to do that you still kind of have to do because it's what builds that community. And, and I think that that's been a hard adjustment for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, on Zoom, we're just tiny little snippets. We're just, we, we can hide behind the camera. We uh, can, well, I hope we did not do this, but the reality is many people wore pajama bottoms on the bottom <laughs> and just, uh, you know, a jacket or a blouse on the top. But we, um, when we go back into the office, we really are bringing our best game or we should be bringing our best game. Um, however, I really feel like when we were on Zoom, we should, and most people were trying to do the best they could as well. It's just this re-entry. And, you know, I, I don't know if you have found this, but, you know, once we're in front of people again, I am hearing over and over and over again, it's hard. We're having to relearn our social skills and social skills are corporate skills. So, you know, they, they do overlap. 85% of our business 
pre-COVID was conducted over a meal. And that's why dining skills are so important. Well, now we're going out to restaurants again. We are now we don't know if we should sit inside, outside by a window. Um, what does my guest want to do? There's all of these questions. So I think it boils down to communication. You know, I work with my my major clients are corporations and university students. University students, career services departments hire me because second interviews are conducted over a meal. And mm. this has now opened up again. And fortunately, over this pandemic, I did not lose that university um, pocket because we just Zoomed. We Zoomed dining skills and leadership skills. But it's interesting because they, the students long for these skills because it takes away those awkward moments. But as adults um, in the workforce or in life, you know, navigating life, we it's not just what our moms and dads taught us. It's what we need to know now so we can make people comfortable to be around us at the table. Are we polite to the server? Do we now, you know, now the, the question is, do I tip more post-pandemic? Do I have to tip more? Well, I think we tip fairly. You know, 20% is average. And if it's great service, of course, if you want to go above and beyond, do it. You're never going to be faulted for being, for being gracious when you can. I suppose from the business perspective these days for employers, um, you know, we went into this pandemic thinking it's going to be two weeks. Well, then from two weeks, it was, it's going to be a couple months. Now we're, we're about to hit two years. So there are a lot of habits that can form um, in a short period of time, let alone in two years time. So for these companies, you know, I suppose they want to get these boundaries reestablished or maybe smoothed out because there is a loss of productivity, whether somebody thinks that their work situation, whether it's remote or whatever has been working, the bottom line is the person who pays you is the one who gets to make that call. That's right. And I think that for the person who's paying their employees, it's important for them to know that the employees and the employees should also feel this way among each other as peers. They should be psychologically safe. And by that, what that means is they're coming back into the office or they're hybrid half and half, or some of them will be remote full time. And everyone should develop. And this has to be, this has to be handled in-house. They should establish some norms and some policies so everybody feels included. But when people speak, they should feel comfortable that they are not going, that they are, whatever they say is going to be accepted. You know, we can't just agree, agree, agree in life. If we just agree, 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 something's wrong with us. That means that we don't really have an identity or a thought. But when we in, within this work environment, much like in a home environment, when we speak, we should be free to, to give our opinions. And then whether you agree with that opinion or not, um, be, re be, um, be addressed in a respectful way. Because if we don't, if we don't ever disagree, nothing changes. So it's much like a sandpaper, you know, on, on a, on a piece of wood. Sand, sometimes you need that abrasion to smooth something out or to figure something out. And there are times when there's a debate um, or collaboration needs to happen in order for people to figure something out for it to be a success. And again, it's, how we handle those situations. And, and we do it with respect and we do it with understanding. You mentioned, um, I think the word you used earlier was compassion. And the word that I come back to these days myself is empathy. 
Um, and, and I find myself as time goes on and more people either come back into the office or, I, or I'm seeing people I haven't really seen in a long time, um, kind of asking them how they're doing and kind of waiting for the real answer has been a really powerful thing to get connections back on track. Um, yes. And, and some of their answers have been very interesting. I, I love that word. That's one of my favorite words. And because what it means is you are empathizing with that other person. You are actually feeling what they feel. And, and when you ask a question, a protocol tip is you never ask how you are without waiting for the answer. And that was just kind of a funny tip. You know, uh, if you ask, stop and wait. Well, never more important than now just to ask, how are you? And when you ask, you really are asking, we don't know what we're asking. We don't know what we're going to get. We don't know who they've lost or what this person has been through. So uh, it, it goes back to that compassion, that empathy. I think from the other person's perspective, when someone says, how are you now, they may not want to share what they have gone through, you know, and, and mm -hmm. we have to respect that as well. But it's, it's so interesting because people um, have really come through this in so many different ways. And as, as awful as some of the experiences have been, there have also been opportunities for us to find a new way to find our path and, and reconnect with people that we that we would not have seen in the past. You know, we, we had a lot of time on our hands. And so I think that there's always, as, as, as terrible as this has been, there is some parts of this for people that they have learned and they have grown, but there has been hardship in that as well. And I think that we have to be very careful not to say, oh, this was a great opportunity for me to learn a new language and, and I got to do this. I think that we think of the other person first. And because it's not about us, it's the way we treat other people. And that's how we build authentic, true relationships. If it's all about me, there's no room for anybody else in it. Oh, I love that point. You know, I, I joke at the TV station that the best conversations take place in our back parking lot. <laughs> which yes. is where we, you know, we, we um, park our station crew cars back there. That's where all the, the debriefs happen. It's where the venting happens. It's where a lot of the great ideas happen. Um, and it's where a lot of the really heartfelt conversations happen. And I had one with a colleague yesterday. And, uh, you know, he was alluding to the fact that he'd had a difficult time over the last 18 months. And, you know, I shared a little bit of some things that I've been, you know, facing as well. And we had this conversation about the fact that everybody, everybody, regardless of what they've put out on their Instagram, everybody has got something that's been really hard. Some people choose to, you know, vomit it <laughs> and other yes. people choose to not tell you and to move on. But I always, these days, just assume They've got something. I know I've got something like start from there, start with some empathy, give people a little bit of grace. And when, when people are rough, cause there is a roughness to some edges right now, let it go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, one of my, I am telling you one day I'm going to, I have it in my, my mind already. It's, there's grace in the gray. And that's going to be the title of something I do one day. <laughs> I love there is, that. There is grace in the gray and it's not always black and white. No. And every single one of us, what, what we all put out on social media, um, all of us, we, we have a posture. Now that posture may be 
negative and sad because that's what people want and people don't want, I mean, that's what that particular person may want out there. I don't believe that's what most people want out there. They want to put uplifting things, but it also means that behind those uplifting words and uplifting posts, there is somebody who has some type of struggle. You know, we, we gravitate to beauty and that's what we should do, but we have to remember that there is nothing nothing. And there is no one that is perfect. You know, we all have flaws and that's what makes us special. Uh, In regard to social media, just to get back to what I said though, about Mm -hmm. the negatives, we don't want to be that person who is posting every single thing wrong that they have ever had in their life. You know, a a stump toe and a hangnail and a, because people turn off and they don't listen. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who have real hardships, who who still make it through and they still smile and they still want to hug and they still want to connect. And it's all about the connections. It's about the connections that we make that are authentic. Again, going back to etiquette, it's about how we treat other people in every part of our life. If, if everybody likes you, there is something wrong with you. (laughs) because <laughs> not everyone can like you. <laughs> we have to stand for something. And, you know, it's just the way it is. Um, there is going to be somebody that doesn't care for you, but it's okay. That's, that's their journey. As long as, um, as long as you're living your truth and as long as it's a good truth, you know, it's, it's yeah. not, it's for good and not for bad. <laughs> My, my grandmother's saying was, uh, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> and that was true. <laughs> that was definitely it's true. true. <laughs> so as we do yeah. kind of get back into things that we haven't done in a while, can we go over maybe just a few of the things that seem to be constant things that people are running into that have become kind of challenging? One of them is seeing people you haven't seen for a while. So um, I have school age kids. You're starting to come back to school fundraisers, school get togethers, the holiday parties, that kind of thing. What is a good way to get back into that community if, um, if, it, if it's just kind of awkward? So I think that you followed the lead. First of all, whoever is hosting the event, and in this case, it would be a school. Let's just talk about school events. Um, will there be masks? Will there not be masks? Are they, are they mandatory? Are they not? You know, it just depends. And, and there's no right or wrongs at this point. It's, it's how we feel. You know, we're protecting our own health and safety. Uh, will there be outdoor, we're a portion of outdoor events if you're uncomfortable being inside. If it's something that you're not comfortable with, then you, of course, have every right to just skip it for that particular time. It just may not be your fit. It may not be your fit for this particular event. And down the road, you'll see them again. So it's much like weddings, much like holiday events. If you're invited to an event, you certainly have the right to ask, will, um, will it be outside? Will, um, you know, vaccinations are a big thing right now. Mm-hmm. And again, this is not a judgment comment. This is what people are saying. You know, these are concerns. You know, if you have a concern that some that some guests may not be vaccinated, you can certainly ask the host. Are are you requiring the the, the guests be vaccinated? And then you can make a compassionate decision, a respectful decision based on your own comfort level. But that doesn't mean you tell the host, "Well, I'm not coming because." You just RSVP that you, you decline. It's just, it's not a fit for right now. You still are going to, you have to think about the end result, you know, in another year, will you, will this break you? Will what you do today break the relationship down the road? And is it worth it? And is that, is that your barometer? Like take it out another year and see where you, where you'd want to be with this relationship? 
It is. It's one of my barometers. I think that it's important to think when we make a decision right now, um, how I respond, how I let that person know about anything, um, how I'm going to feel a year from now or six months from now. You know, it's like it's like a gift and not sending a thank you note. So you somebody gives you a gift, you don't send a thank you note. Now the next time you time you see them, you think, oh gosh, I didn't send them a thank you note. And you always cringe because you haven't sent that thank you note. Just send the thank you note. You can be a year out. Just send the thank you note because you will feel better. Well, that's similar to what I'm saying now. If the way you handle the situation now is going to affect your relationship with them down the road and whether that that could be a family member or it could be a close friend. And, you know, I'm going to segue a little bit about friendships. We all have ebbs and flows with friendships. So just because we have, I'm certain we all have friends that are super close friends that at one time we had a, a falling out with. It could be a big falling out or it could be a small falling out. But nevertheless, we, we had a hiccup. Um, nothing is ever final. So I, it's important to, to know that just because you had some miscommunication and the relationship was broken, if it means something to you, it's worth you going out and trying to fix it. At least you did your part to try and fix it. And this goes back to this time right now, because there have been relationships that have been broken because people um, acted are acting differently, or they have, um, you know, the different ways that they're, they're, you know, they, they have different comfort levels, basically. Yeah. So that makes a lot I of think, sense. yeah. One of my um, pandemic theories, my pandemic conspiracy theories, if you will, they're not really <laughs> conspiracy theories, but one of them is that my, my observation is that this experience has magnetized a lot of personalities. If you were a doer pre all of this craziness happening, you're probably much more of a doer. If you were a complainer, you are likely much more of a complainer. If you were a really good giving person, you probably found ways to give even in the darkest days. Have you had that kind of observation? I think, I think what you say is very true. I also think that it has brought, it has awakened many people who perhaps um, were laid back and all of a sudden decided they had a lot of time on their hands because I can think of a couple of people in particular that decided I'm going to get out and I'm going to do something for somebody else. And it had nothing to do with the pandemic. It just had to do with the fact that they were tired and they were bored staying mm -hmm. home and they found ways to help others. So I do think that our personalities are, exa are exacerbated. You know, when, when somebody pokes the bear and they're already a bear, they're going to growl and growl louder. Right. <laughs> but, but I also think it's a good time to take a, an honest evaluation of each one of ourselves and determine do I like myself? Is this the person I want to be? And what can I do to make some positive changes? If not, if, if they want to see something different, what can I do to, to change some of my behaviors? Because we can change our behaviors. I think that if we go negative, then everything we think is negative. If we decide that every time I think a negative thought, I'm going to spin it to, to, to be more positive, it's a habit. And you can take that and you can spin it to where eventually 
it will become, you know, it will become something that we can change. And we all have a choice to walk this journey. However, this, this looks for us, you know, that's our choice because we've all had problems when we were younger um, at one way or another. Well, I, I'm not going to say we all, you know, many people have had experiences when they were younger and they use that today as an adult. Well, when I was young, well, that did happen. But now as an adult, we ha- here's my human behavior coming out <laughs> as an adult, <laughs> we have the ability to make some adjustments because we don't want our legacy to be X or X. We want our children to see that we conquered and we, you know, our kids are watching us. Our kids, oh, yeah. our neighbors are watching us. People are watching us. More than they ever have, because so many of us have spent so much time around them <laughs> that we never yes, would have. Yes, yes. And you know, it's funny stories. You know, there are things that I will tell you. I, I'm, I, t- I teach corporate etiquette. I teach nice, and I had a fight with Tigger in Disney World <laughs> in front of my children. <laughs> Tigger and I had it out. It's you know whoever was under that that costume and um, he would, what, he was, what did Tigger do to piss you off? I'm just curious. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> we were, my kids were very young and you know, to this day, they said that when I died, this is the story they're going to tell at my funeral. Uh, they are now adults. And when they, they were very young, six and seven Tigger was, it was a, one of those restaurants where he, he would walk around and uh, was it? Yeah, it was Tigger. I can, now I'm forgetting which one it was. And he'd walk around and come to each table and he, Tigger kept stopping at this table full of Hot young girls, you know, they were probably his high school friends and he was hanging around and my kids were getting tired and I was getting tired. We were there too long. So by the time Tigger came up, I had already jumped up and I gave Tigger, you know, a few words, <laughs> a little piece of my mind. And so my kids have this picture with Tigger and their faces are just wah, wah. And I said, everybody smile and be happy. <laughs> but Tigger did this to me. This is what he did right here, up down with his hands. And, you know, I think that translated into a bad word. I'm just saying. Uh, I think it was <laughs> but in you know, talk. But we it all was, have our moments. It, we do. We do. And I say that story because, you know, I was not overly rigid Tigger, but I was firm and I did it in front of the kids. And Tigger is, you know, it's probably a lesson for Tigger too. But, you know, that's my claim to fame. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, we need to wrap up, but let me, let me ask you one question. Um, there, are, I, there are two different pe- groups of people that some people really struggle with. One is the toxic positive people and the other is the toxic negative people. So like two complete extremes. Yes. And I know you're a big fan of saying there's a lot to learn in the gray. Those people are very much black and white. Um, yes. What are your tips for people who are overly positive, how to deal with them? If maybe you're having challenges of your own, what's the protocol on that? So, you know, first of all, I wonder about overly, overly, how does somebody always, you I just questioned the overly positive. (laughs) I love positive. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's dismissive when you go to someone with a particular problem or a comment and they tell you, just look at the bright side of things. That's dismissive. That's not, that's not very compassionate. You know, it goes back to empathy and compassion. I think that we need to listen with our heart to hear what this person is saying. Now, if this person they're talking to is overly negative, they're just tired of this person. Okay. So um, I, they're both extremes and extremes generally don't work for everything. It's great to be positive, but I think you're positive with, within reason. And if you are one of those people that 
only sees the negatives, only sees the dark side. It's tough to be around you as well. So there has to be that middle ground. Not everybody all the time is going to be happy and Pollyanna-like. And But if you're always negative, they're not yeah. going to want to be sitting next to you at the table. So I think that we we have to be careful when someone really does have an issue. Um, you want to listen. You want to be thoughtful. You want to talk to them about their problem. You don't want to live in it. You don't want to stay there because part of your your jo- journey, your goal is to help them through it and help them in supportive ways, change their, you know, give them something to get involved with them, do things with them, keep up with them, much like at funerals. You know, that's another etiquette um, dilemma when somebody passes away and now you, I'm going to keep up with you. I'm going to call you. I'm here for you. And then they never hear from you again, or they don't hear from you for six months. So it's our responsibility as friends and family member to keep in contact. You know, basically what it boils down to is we have a responsibility to do good. And it doesn't mean the kind of good that's that's just extreme on one side or the other. But people make judgments based on what they see. And that becomes their perception of the truth. And we all have to ask ourselves, how do I want other people to describe me? And then we live, then we live that truth. Then we live that. Because if you, we have a word in our head, um, we will, it will sit there. You know, we won't think of it all the time, but it, it will land in our brain someplace and we'll kind of live that word along with other words huh. along the way. What is, what is your word? So my word is confident. And the reason why it's confident is because when I was in college, I was so introverted and shy. I could not go eat in the college cafeteria. They'd have to bring me my food. I could never ever speak in front of people. I couldn't eat in front of people. I was extremely introverted. So today it sounds, um, you know, it, 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 that just sounds like a given, but it's always there because I remember the young girl and the young adult who just could barely talk in front of other people. And now look what I do. But maybe that's the challenge for 2022 is to come up with your word of the year. Yes. Well, you know, that word will always stay there. I have words along the way that I've added and, and my word today, and I really live it is to be authentic. I really try to live it. I, 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 or empathetic, you know, your word. So we have many words, you know, we are humans with many words, but my original word, when I first thought about it would, would have been confident because I was so nervous. I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't even function. And, but I do think that for what I do, I really want it to come across as authentic and empathetic because I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm far from it, but I own it. You know, we, we have a responsibility to clean up our mess. When we do something wrong, it's our responsibility to clean up our mess. And we will always make a mess. That's because we're human. That that's part of our, our journey, but we just, we have to clean it up. Messy by design. So what would be, that's your, right. what would be your criteria then as we all maybe think about choosing a word for the year? I, well, I think that if you ask people what their word is, many people won't, they'll say, oh, I don't have one. I don't know. I can't think of one. When I do this corporately, some people at the end of this session still will not have a word because they're so frozen with it. It sounds like it's so simple, but we ha- they can't get it. It won't come up. You ha- I feel like it's important to find a word. Like what would be your word? What would be the word you'd want to be described as? Oh, it, well, what I'd like, I would like it to be empathetic. Um, okay. So that, I mean, I think that I would be would like a goal. It, but that yeah. would, so, so I'm going to tweak you a little bit. 
Okay. So you're, you wouldn't like it to be empathetic. You are empathetic. You know, your brain has to say, you have to say, I, my word is empathetic. And when you say that it lands in your, it lands in your brain. This is not science, by the way, this is just what I try. <laughs> it lands in your brain. You've talked about it. You've mentioned it. You are, cause I know you. Um, but when you say, I would like to, that it had that means it hasn't happened yet and it has happened for you but let's well, say I grew up in an Irish Catholic family I mean it's just very culturally difficult for me to say I am empathetic like I'm waiting for the lightning to hit me you know what I mean <laughs> right <laughs> exactly and I think that that's part of we have to own we have to own the goodness so you are empathetic and then if I ask you what's your favorite car what give me your dream car uh the one that has gas in it <laughs> okay but give me t- just give me a couple of um, oh, descriptors. Oh, um, uh, 1967 Jeep or uh, Land Rover, Land Cruiser. Because, because. It was like really cool ones. I don't know. It's kind of okay. cool. It's kind of cool. Okay. Well, so I have a Land Rover, a Range Rover happens to be my, my dream car as well. Um, because it's sturdy, it's safe, it's sleek, it's cool. Um, those are you. You know, the descriptors, if you would have given me descriptors, would be that would go along with your word. It's just you know if you put this all together, it becomes it becomes who you are. Um, yeah. I happen to drive a, a Range Rover, and it's because it's solid, it's strong, it's it's confident uh, without being thought too flashy. At least you know mine's old; it's not new. So so I think that there's you know human dynamics is fascinating. Um, social skills are are really so important because it really is the glue that binds us. And it's not because we're perfect. When someone says, I'm so glad you're here because my mother taught me this when I was 12, just that whole voice, that whole demeanor, that's just right there. That's a person I need to work with. I <laughs> love it's, it. You know, it's, it's about being good, genuinely, yeah. empathetically, compassionately good. You know, and, and that's not, a, that's not a big ask. Because I can't think of a, I can't think of a better place to end because that just summed <laughs> all of it up. What are some good ways for people to keep up with everything that you're doing? You write some wonderful blogs. Oh, thank you. Well, my blog is dianegotsman.com. Very easy. Um, my Instagram is Diane Gotsman. And that's where you'll see Marty, my poodle, who I rescued. He's 13 years old. I rescued him three years ago um, because I couldn't, st- you know, we, it was, part of my journey during this, you know, so right. um, that's the best way to get, find me. Facebook is Protocol School of Texas. Uh, blog is Diane Gotsman, Instagram, Diane Gotsman. And I love to hear from, I have made great friends, including you, you know, great contacts just by doing this through social media. And, and that's part of how we can stay connected with people that we don't get to see on a daily basis. So I encourage it people to use social media. Oh, Diane, thank you so much. It was such a fun conversation. Oh, happy holidays. And to you as well. I never saw that Tigger story coming. I would love to know how Tigger told that story that night. I'm sure Tigger has forgotten all about that because there were many people who had similar interactions, but that's so funny that Diane still tells that story all these years later. That is a good one. Thank you so much for listening this week. I sure appreciate it. I was driving in the car the other day and I was listening to NPR and they were doing their pledge drive. And because I worked for an NPR station beginning of my career, I could basically like spit out the the script of asking, you know, for the money. 
And I realized that's probably what I sound like at this part in the podcast every week when I ask people to leave ratings and reviews. <laughs> so here it comes. If you have a second and you can leave a rating or review wherever you happen to be listening to this show right now, I would definitely appreciate it. Your word of mouth is the greatest way to grow a show. It just is. That's how podcasts grow. So if you can take a second and share a link, tell a friend, I'd be very grateful. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week on Dying to Ask.